All right, what's up, AdCast listeners? I have someone on the line that the universe has tried to keep me away from, but damn it, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. I have Mr. Colin Chow on the line. Colin, you and I were supposed to get together back in like uh, the third quarter in August, but they couldn't keep us apart, man. We're too strong for that. The, the universe yeah. works in mysterious ways, Eric. You know, bring people then, together when they need to be together. So I feel like this is exactly the right time we're meeting. There you go. This. Yeah. <laughs> so the universe brought us together. I am on the AdCast today with Mr. Colin Chow. Colin is the global managing partner of 21st Century Brand. Uh, in 21st Century, uh, I'll tell you about their mission. It's pretty unique. And, and also I want to talk about like, you know, what brought you into 21st century, you know, um, just the whole mindset of the company. And also like when I went onto the website, immediately I saw diversity. Mm. Immediately I saw that. And so 21st century, their mission is to enable founders and CEOs of the world's most innovative companies to realize transformational growth through excellence in marketing. And you also accelerate the value of the most influential brands of all time. And uh, I'm lucky to be on the line with you today, man, because you work with some pretty damn influential brands, man. Yeah, some thank pretty you. damn influential I, I, brands. I'm lucky. I, I feel like it's a privilege for me to get on and talk about this with you, with your listeners, with your audience. So I appreciate you having me. Oh, man, you're too kind. Colin, I want to know, man, you know, what got you into this? I mean, you, you could have done anything. You could have done anything. But why this? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Well, well, let me set up by, by telling you a little bit about 21st Century Brand and then I can talk about sure. how I got there. You know, 21st Century Brand is a brand consultancy. Uh, we're based out of Europe and the US. I'm based in San Francisco. And our founding ambition is to build the most influential brands of our time. And we do this by challenging leaders of those brands, of these companies, to create a positive cultural legacy. So oh. we often talk about ourselves as the purposeful growth company. We build brands that seamlessly blend doing good and doing good business. And a lot of our DNA of the founding team comes from the experience of building Airbnb um, to become the most influential travel brand in the world. Um, and we realized that there's a playbook actually for 21st century brands who want to mm -hmm. build brands that are both purpose-led but also make um, incredible businesses as well. So we work with a pretty wide range of companies and we sometimes talk about it as the rising stars and the purposeful planets, you know? So the rising stars are brands like the Pinterest, the Instacart, Pelotons, Breck, mm. Nextdoor, Headspace, those brands that are really shaping the way that we all live, work and play in the 21st century. But then mm. we also work with purposeful planets, brands that have been around for a long, long time. Um, that were born in the 20th century, but they continue to have massive impact in people's lives. And they want to learn how to act like a disruptor brand so that they don't get disrupted themselves. And that includes brands like Walmart or even LinkedIn that have been around for a longer time. So um, I'm global managing partner. I run a North American business for 21st century brand. And to your question of why I joined, you know, I had been, I've been on the consultancy side for most of my life. I'm, I'm that weird kid, I guess, who just kind of, you might say, I, I couldn't make up my mind. I'd like to look back and think I was just gathering all the skills I needed to ultimately be where I am. Um, but I majored in art history as an undergrad. I went to law school, um, very quickly realized that I had no uh, skill or desire to be a lawyer. Um, but right. I finished law school, passed the bar in New York, everything. And then I joined a management consulting firm called McKinsey in New York. I got a really good grounding of business skill, but I, I soon wanted to 
do something more creative. And so I ended up stumbling into what I do today, which is brand strategy, which yeah. is the mix of right brain and left brain. It's, it's oh, yeah. really strategic and rigorous, but also incredibly creative and inspiring. And, you know, I've had different leadership roles at various consultancies over the years since then. And when I left my last role, I was convinced I'm not doing anything uh, agency side or consulting side anymore. There's nothing left to prove to myself, to the world. And I wanted to do something very different. And I was thinking mm -hmm. about uh, going in-house somewhere. I was looking at going into sports um, was an area. And there were some roles that I was looking at there. But it's funny, you know, you talk about the universe and the way it works. I ended up having a conversation with Jonathan Mildenhall, who was, had been my client when he, is, he was at Airbnb, the CMO. And, um, you know, he was telling me about this thing that he and Neil Berry, the other co-founder had started called 21st Century Brand. And I was actually trying to help uh, someone I used to work with get to speak to him. And he's like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. I'm figuring things out. But ended up coming in, meeting him, meeting Neil. And not only are they very convincing, I think the biggest thing that drew me to it was the sense of values alignment. Wow. I, I think we've all been in our careers, you know, around long enough to kind of know, are these my people or not my people? And it was very clear that with 21st century brand, and at that point, the company is less, less than a year old. It's a very early stage. Yeah. Just the sense of we see the world the same way. We see brand building the same way. We want to spend our lives not just selling more stuff, but yeah. actually creating companies and brands that make a difference in the world and the way that people show up. And so um, that that's how I originally joined. And and since then, it's been a pretty amazing ride, you know, working with some incredible brands, some incredible clients, and, and mm -hmm. hopefully doing some good in the world as well. Man, what give what kind of feeling do you have when you you said like, you know, you found you felt like you found someone and you got that feeling? What does that feel like for you? Do you feel like almost complete like, or this is where I need to be? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that sense, right? It's almost like, it's like a sense of you just came home. And even though you've never been in that house, it's like, you know what? I'm home, right? I'm, I'm with people wow. who share the way I see the world, people who um, see the way of doing business the way that I do. And, and the great thing is since then, you know, we've continued to build our team. We've brought in people who share those values and bring those values to life even more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just feels, again, it's like, a, it's like a sense of being home. We just had our first company, full company offsite a couple months ago through COVID wow. pandemic. We hadn't been together. We've grown a lot, but we've never really spent a lot of time together in person. So we got everyone together um, in LA, in downtown LA, and it was called 21 CBO. We brought everyone together and had this incredible experience where people were really open and vulnerable, shared about themselves in a very non-artificial way. It wasn't like, hey, we're doing wow. locks. We're not, you know. Re regardless of the distance. It was just a very organic opening up and everyone would really got together and, and I had a moment, you know, you have those kind of like out of body experiences. You're sitting yeah. in a circle uh, in a room full of all these people. It's like, you know, every single one of these people in this room, this team at 21CB, you know, I would ride or die for them. You know, they're, they're incredible people um, and we all share values. And, and if I can talk a bit about that for a second, because we have four values at 21CB that- Let's hear it, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, your, your question is a great one. It's like, how do you know, what is that feeling? Our four values, number one, uh, we ambush with humanity, which means we go out of our way to create a safe space for people to be vulnerable, creative and challenging, to be themselves, not who they think they should be. And that's really important. 
Um, the second value is diversity and harmony. So diversity is not easy, but you can have diversity, but you but that doesn't mean it's harmony, right? We embrace all forms of diversity, yeah, the experience, whatever. The process of building harmony in that diversity can be really messy, but we believe the results are powerful wow. and more than worth it. The third value is what we call commercial creativity. There's a tension there, right? We see creativity as a mindset, not a discipline. The art isn't using it to create real value with the entire company as our canvas. So sometimes, you know, is it art? Is it business? It's both commercial creativity. Creativity has to serve commercial goals. And then the last one is purposeful growth. So commerce, we know is predicated on growth, but not all that grows is good. So we pursue growth that is sustainable for people, the planet and for profit. And we think about purposeful growth as much for our team as for the clients we serve. Mm -hmm. And so those four values, we come to them again and again, we make decisions on who do we hire? Who do we want to work with against those values? And I think every company, every consultancy has values. It's really, do you live by them? Um, Damn. Damn it. Say it again. Say it again. Yeah. That's strong, man. Yeah. It's, you know, what I think someone has said in the past, much smarter than me, it's like, it's only, it's only a value if it, if it hurts, you know, it's like when you, and, and I think one of the things that really made me understand how much we see the world in this way is, and I, I won't name the company, but we were approached early on by a company um, and they were offering, you know, multi-year, multi-million dollar contract to work with them. And we just didn't think what they were doing was, was net positive for the world. And there was no genuine intention to change. And so we turned that down. And for a, a startup consultancy, from a business standpoint, that's a really tough decision, but it's a really yeah. easy decision if you go back to we are values led and we make decisions based on what we believe in as a team. Colin, why do I just feel that like through here? Like everything that you're saying, I really feel like I, I feel like it's no BS. I'm on a podcast. I'm going to share this with you. Like, I really feel like you feel that man about that company. Mm. And and you, you know, one of the values that you just talked about too, was you said diversity and harmony. And it really, it just like made a light bulb go off in my head because when pe- whenever people actually have a discussion about diversity, there's usually not any freaking harmony. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, how do you guys overcome that? And not only like like putting it as a mission statement and just talking about it is one thing, but truly acting on it is another. How do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it, it kind of goes back to it's not just having diversity in the team that you bring in. Right. Mm-hmm. But then actually really listening to their voices, making sure everyone feels that they have a role, a say, you know, and, and we are very non-hierarchical in the way that we, we create our work in the way that we make decisions. There are, of course, people have titles, of course, people have levels, right? Yeah. I always say, yeah. teams, you know, I don't care where the good idea comes from. It can be from the most junior person on the team. It doesn't matter if you have a good idea, bring it to the table. And, you know, it's a testament to even some of the, the more junior people on the team. They, they challenge me every single day. I'll put something yeah. out that I think is really smart. Hey, I think the strategy is this. Right. For everyone to pick it up off the table and admire it. And someone with two years of experience will say, nah, I don't think it's that. <laughs> like, okay. But tell me why you don't think it's that. And, and right. you know, most of the time, they're, they're right. You know, there's something that... Um, they've picked up that something about, they know more about the consumer or the audience than I do. They picked up on something on internal dynamics. And so it might not be quite right, but we get better. And that idea gets sharpened and it might be a little bit off, but you get there together. And so I think it's a bit of that humility, right? In order to have diversity and harmony, you have to, as a team, as individuals, as leaders, you have to have the humility 
that you don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, in a client service industry, sometimes it's very tempting to be like, yeah, we got all the answers. That's why, you know, that's why people pay us. Mm -hmm. You have to have the answers. Sometimes the most powerful thing is to say, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let's think about how we get to that answer. And, and being able to do that, I think you will get to the answer. (laughs) At the end of the day, you got to get there. But Mm -hmm. I think it invites people to come in and work together to get there as opposed to waiting for, you know, to come on from on high from one person. I think that's great. Sometimes the best ideas come from the bottom up, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you had said something about the, the getting together that, you know, happened. And I know, uh, even though some people are still feeling the effects of COVID, some people have changed for the best for COVID and some people have been challenged through COVID, but you just described an event where you all got together and it was truly like harmony. Um, when you, for what you guys do and having that kind of influence, not just internally, but transferring that same energy to the brands that you work with. Do you find that um, this distant culture, this remote culture, that it's hard to have that? I think it's, um, it's so fluid, Eric, you know, it's every client that we work with is in a different situation. Some are still entirely remote. Some are hybrid and some are fully back in the office. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, as many of us learned through COVID and pandemic, you know, you have to adapt and you have to meet clients and people and teams where they are. And so, yes, you know, yes. I, don't, I don't have all the answers. I, I think that what we got really good at very quickly by necessity is all of these things that we used to think you have to be together to do these workshops, these very intimate conversations. Um, you just have to be able to get good at doing it on Zoom, mm, um, wow, you know, wow. remotely. And what we found is, and I think many companies have found this, that it's actually really efficient, right? Yes, jump I agree. Other, I agree. You remember all the wasted time sitting in an airport, your flight's delayed, and you're like, can't get anything done. It's distracting, mm-hmm. you're exhausted. That goes out the window, which in some ways is a benefit. I think what you really lose is less the time in the meetings, but it's what I call the interstitial moments. It's that walking into a meeting with your team, with the clients, like, and, and just checking in before, checking in after. And so mm-hmm. those are the things that you have to consciously replace, right? Um, because you don't get those casual encounters. You don't get the casual just like, mm-hmm. hey, look me in the eye and tell me, did that meet your expectations? Was that good? Are you happy with that? And so now it's, it's a quick email, a text, a call, just to make sure, right? Because after after an in-person workshop, um, that's very easy to do, you know. And yeah. so, so that, you know, I, I think that's the biggest miss. And and I think we're still navigating, you know, how much we do in person, how much that we do um, remote, and and really mm-hmm. we're kind of led by our clients in that. But I think it's just being super conscious about where do we take advantage collectively in a good way, the benefit of efficiency, but offset the almost lack of empathy when we're just staring at screens and and we yeah. at each other. You know, I remember one quote that uh, Simon Sinek said, he said, relationships are not formed at the meeting, they're built in between the meetings, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and how, uh, in, in, you know, I think this is pretty important for you guys as well, too, especially with the culture that you have, um, you know, how do you and how would you advise brands to build those relationships in between the meetings, like a Peloton, using them for an example? Mm, yeah, well, I, I go back to one of our values, ambush with humanity, right? And uh, one output of that value 
is there's a part of our strategic process that I think is really different and unique. And mm-hmm. it's discuss the undiscussable. And whenever we bring this up with Love that. clients, it's like, what, what is that? That sounds terrifying. It sounds scary. Maybe it's like, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> like, woo-woo, is this some kind of like West Coast thing that you guys are bringing to us? But it's really interesting because at the end of the day, it's often the moment, the part of our process, our approach that clients look back like that was really transformative, right? Wow. And what it is, 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 you know, it's midway in our process. And what we do is, you know, we, we are almost always working with founders, CEOs, CMOs, the C-suite, uh, and very cross-functional. You know, our process really brings in the chief human resources officer, the chief product officer. You know, we really believe brand is the foundation for the entire company. It's not just a marketing and communications thing. Hmm. So very frequently, we learn a lot about an organization in our discovery phase. And we bring a, this this group together. And to your question before, like it used to be in a private room, you know, yeah. we'd book a private room, be over dinner, some drinks, be very intimate. And what we are expert at is facilitating a very vulnerable conversation, but surfacing themes to say, you know, there's certain things you as an organization, as a leadership team need to think about, need to align on, need to address in order for us to build the brand that we think you need to build. And they're not things that 20 wow. be, 21st century brand can necessarily fix, right? They might be outside of our purview, but if you do not do this and you build this brand, the world's going to call bullshit on you, right? True. And authentic. So, so that's, that's part of our process. And, and to your question of, you know, how do companies foster that? I, I think, it's the advice that we would give is, is create these moments, create a culture where mm-hmm. your team can discuss the undiscussable, right? Where, where they can have, and it doesn't have to be so formal or kind of structured in a, in a dinner setting, or even I mean, we've gotten really good at doing it online. We just create the right sensibility and the right kind mm-hmm. of um, the vibe on the zoom for lack of a better word, but you know, for our clients, for our, our uh, you know, for their internal teams that becomes so important. You know, making sure that everyone really feels empowered and, and able to speak up and share their voice no matter what. That's a great point. But you, Colin, let me ask you this. though: what if you are uh, you're trying to do that discovery brand, uh, discovery phase with a brand and that brand doesn't allow you to truly understand who they are? You know, because, you know, sometimes people will make the phone call and say, we need you to fix us, Yeah. you know, and then they want you to give them the magic pill. And it's not really that easy. Yeah. So how, how do you have the discussable with the undiscussable? God, I love that. You know, you know, yeah. with with that client or with that brand. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great question. Um, you know, here's the truth, Eric. If a client doesn't want to show us who they really are, it's not worth working with don't hire us, don't Amen. spend money on us or anybody else, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, because at the end of the day, this is very much what we believe and we say this to our clients all the time, mm-hmm. 21 CV doesn't show up and invent anything. All we do is we identify the soul of your company and we extract that. And we extract that soul and you know, there's this quote, I don't know if it's a real quote or not, but someone said about Michelangelo, it's like, uh, Michelangelo doesn't, he doesn't carve a sculpture. He just takes, sees a block of stone and he carves away everything that's extra. What's left is the beautiful soul of that, yeah. you know, something like that. Similar approach to building brands, right? We talk to the founder, we talk to the CEO, we talk to all the leadership. At the end of the day, the brand exists already within the company somewhere, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. It exists in the leadership. It also exists in, in the, the employees, we call them soul of company 
uh, employees, they've been around forever, right? Like you, you, every company you've worked at, you can be like that person, they embody the brand and you can't really articulate why it's like, that's, that's the Nike person. Right. Yeah. Right? That's the app, like Apple. That, that, that person that. bleeds that company. Yeah. And yep. it doesn't yep. have to be a senior exec. It can be, you know, the, the most junior person on the team. It doesn't matter. Um, but that's what we do. We come in and through our conversations, through our stakeholder interviews, through our discovery process, we just mm -hmm. keep pulling things out. And, um, and that's why it's so important to have that access to that top leadership team, you know, because you, if, mm. if you have, if you have a conversation with someone, I think you're probably really good at this, given your, your podcast and, and everything else, there's only so much veneer of authenticity you can fake, right? It's true. You get to the real stuff. That, that is you true. Pull that out and you ask the questions in a way they're not gotcha questions, but you ask yeah. questions in a way where you get past that press release response. You get past that soundbite. You really go mm -hmm. deep with it. A lot of times after we have conversations with execs, the, the thing that always comes like, I feel like I just had therapy. Like, that's good. You know, let, <laughs> let it all out. We're, you know, they, they feel like, oh, I feel like I just let go of all this negative emotion. That's another part of the company. We do therapy we do sessions therapy. too. That's right. That's a, that's a secret service that we offer only for our, our special. Now we, you know, and I think I love that response, right? Because then that means they've really been honest and truthful and burdened themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about what, is great about your company or brand, but we got to know what the shadows are. We got to know what the downsides are because the brand has to address those things, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Consumers today are more aware than ever, especially with younger generations, right? They want to know they, the transparency is so critical. If your brand and what you do, if the actions and, and your, your language doesn't match up, consumers know right away. Customers know right away. You can't get away with it. You know, and that that word brand has come up so much lately, you know, um, and, and I, I really feel like when it comes to the brand, there were some brands who didn't really know exactly what people thought of them. Mm. They, they just felt like, you know, we are this big conglomerate, but they didn't know how people feel about them. Do you guys kind of help some brands develop their own set of values like the way you guys have set, you know, found your own values? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, you know, often after we create a brand strategy, a natural place to go next is to develop what we call employee value proposition, or sometimes we'll call it employer brand, right? Because they're really flip sides of the same coin. And our belief is great brands are built from the inside out. It goes to that idea of authenticity, right? You yeah. don't just tell the world who you are, you act like it and the brand then is a window into your soul, into your company. And, and then you have to express that through ads, through actions, through things, um, true, you know, but true. there has to be a connection to that. So yeah, a recent example, we work with Instacart. Um, you know, they bring gr groceries to your door and through the pandemic, mm -hmm. their business was on fire because people really needed it. They were, it almost became an essential service for so many of us who couldn't yeah. go to grocery stores, people couldn't go out and they continue to do that. And um, we, we created a, a brand strategy for them. And then they asked us, hey, can you help us to create uh, employer value proposition, but also can you help us evolve our values? Um, who are we? And that was an incredible, incredible project working with them because they gave wow. us so much trust and credit to their leadership team to say, hey, you know, we are gonna trust you with this. And we worked very closely with one of their co-founders and he obviously had been there from the beginning and, you know, he's almost like the spirit animal of this company. Uh, wow. And, and he's, he's that guy we talked about. He's that guy, right? He, mm -hmm. um, 
And he was just so gracious and welcoming because it's, it's very easy for them to say, hey, you are outsiders. You're an externality. Why would you, why would we trust you with this? Yeah. And so again, it, it wasn't us inventing. It was really understanding what are the values this organization already has? What is still relevant in 2022 versus when they were developed, you know, five, seven years ago? And Instacart's a company that such explosive growth more than half of their workers were hired in, in the past one to two years during pandemic and, and they were remote. They hadn't met each other. So they yeah. really needed something to knit together their culture. And so we worked with them to help define a new set of values that really reflected uh, mm -hmm. the culture, not only that to reflect what they had been, but also to reflect where they wanted to go in the future. Um, we created an employee value proposition for them. And then, you know, I give them a lot of credit for this too. They recognize that shoppers, so the people in the gig economy who actually go get your groceries and bring it to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the gig economy has been much criticized and Instacart, I think, is one of the good actors in this where they genuinely had a desire to do better by their shoppers. And so we helped them develop a shopper value proposition where we defined a set of commitments that they were going to make to their shoppers backed up by real product innovation to help them. And then they rolled it out. And, and you know, I, I genuinely believe that's a great example of a purpose-led brand where you know, you're doing this all, you're still trying to scale your business, but you're really actively consciously thinking about all of yes. your communities, right? All yeah. the aspects of your community, not just the end consumer, but also the shoppers in this case, the employees, the retailers, the advertisers, those are all parts of Instacart's community. And how do your actions as a result of your brand, how do they touch all of them um, in ways that can be net positive? It shouldn't be um, a zero sum game. It shouldn't be the more I get, the less you get, right? How do we mm -hmm. grow this pie together so that everyone shares in that? Um, and the, uh, the CEO, Fiji Sima, she, she actually joined midway through our project, incredible leader. And she always talked about it as like, we have to have a mindset of abundance, right? And I, I really love that because it's just a, a spirit of generosity thinking about mm -hmm. the world through a lens of generosity is just a, it's like a black and white night and day type of, you know, if you just change your mindset and think through the lens of abundance, not scarcity, like I'm trying to hoard everything, it yeah. completely changes the way your brand shows up. And um, yeah, I just really appreciate what, what Instacart has done, not just in giving us the trust to help them with it, but then just executing it beautifully, rolling it out beautifully, sharing it with the employees, getting the culture pumped up uh, and really fired up for that. And, and you know what, though, the, the crazy part, you mentioned the ad people, because once you guys actually help shape that, then the rest of it takes place. Then the ad people, which is different from the marketing people who come yeah. in and kind of set the brand. So now the ad people kind of take that same vision that's created and, and also that same employee uh, value that they see in it now. And then folks like us, we feel it. Mm. And now we have that perception of what the brand is besides just that logo and what it is. Yeah. We have we have a feeling for it based on what you do. Yeah. Um, you know, you had mentioned, you know, a lot of different things about the companies, too. And then you'd mentioned like a like someone had approached you guys and it could have been really big for a startup. And, and that's all profit sense. But it feels like everything and everything that you guys are doing and everyone you want to work with is more purpose sense. Mm. Why do why do you think that in the 90s we didn't hear so much about purpose sense? It was all profit, 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 profit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny having having lived through <laughs> a bunch of those phases. I think the, the pendulum swings, but I think it's also um, 
you know, I really, you know, Gen Z gets called out for a lot of things, but I, I also mm -hmm. do think like I'm, I have, I have two kids, they're Gen Z, I guess. And I'm kind of in awe of their generation because I feel like they're forcing us, you know, all to do better. It's like your generation screwed up. Oh, what are you going to do? Your generation yeah. screwed up so many things. What are you going to do with that? And I think it gives us all oh my gosh. Of responsibility to fix some of the many challenges uh, that we have in this country and in this world. I think the 90s and early 2000s, you know, if, if, you, if you're kind of breaking it down by eras, it was, the, mm -hmm. it was the era of growth at all costs. You know, it was the era of like, grow as big as you can, break all the rules. That, that's and, what it was. Right. And you, you see that in, you know, the kind of early days of Uber, the, the, you know, Facebook's kind of growth and, and where they've, they've gone now meta, you know, and, and I think in the past 10 years, there has been more of a consciousness among corporate leaders that building a business that is both purpose and profit actually mm -hmm. is better for long-term value. And you see- I that, agree, I agree. You know, the, the kind of the, the corporate round table about like, you know, it used to be that uh, your only stakeholder was a corporate shareholder. And now we mm -hmm. talk about ESG, we talk about like broader stakeholder value. Now, I, you know, I, I guess I'm skeptical or cynical. I feel like some companies really genuinely believe that and they show it by their actions and others, you know, they're, they're doing it and saying it because it's kind of expected. Well, right? it's almost like you have to now. You yeah. have to show that now. That's right. And, That's right. and um, you brought up like, you know, social media, you know, since you kind of brought that up, I want to want to kind of ask you too, because when you are helping to build this brand and really getting intimate with the CEOs of companies and making sure that that those kind of values kind of trickle down. Does social media help with that at all? With the social media help with that. I mean, I, I'm trying not to go into my own personal viewpoints on, on social media. I think social media is an incredible resource and incredible, you know, like if you think about what has changed our lives in the 21st century, you know, the, the kind of rise of social media has been, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's created careers for people. You know, like kids today grow up dreaming of being a creator. Then it wasn't a, yeah. it wasn't a thing when I was a kid. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Oh man. I think it's opened up a little bit, but I think we're all very conscious of a lot of the the social ills that have come from that. You know, we've all seen documentaries and things. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I always go back to one of our clients that we're really proud to have worked with is Pinterest. We worked with them in the mm. early days. Um, you know, they're already a very successful company, but helping to define their story as they were going towards IPO. And we continue to be very close with them. And, you know, we after we define their brand strategy, the credit is to them and their CMO, Andre Millard, is just an incredible human being. Um, you know, the leadership that they have there, tying marketing and the product together in a way that, it, you know, the brand there is all about inspiration. It's about looking forward. If you think about most of social media, right? It's like, good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Most of social media is you look backwards. I did something now validate me. And if you don't give me a like, I feel bad. Right. And wow. there's quantifiable data that shows that on most social media, after you use it, you might get that quick dopamine hit. Right. Yeah. But then yep. you actually feel worse about yourself because you compare yourself. I'm not as pretty. I don't look as good. Why am I not on that? Amazing oh my gosh. Situation, right. It's all this. And so the difference is Pinterest is forward looking. It gives you inspiration to create a life that you love. And, and, you know, what I love is that it's not just an ad campaign. It's not just something they say it's built into the product. Right. And, and the things that they've done as a result of that, if you are a brand that gives everyone inspiration, that gives everyone 
a life that they love, to lead a life they love, then you have to be more diverse and accessible. One of the things they built out of their product was, you know, one of the insights was um, when people of color go on and search for cosmetics, it's Mm -hmm. all on white faces, right? And so that's not relevant, you know, depending on your skin tone. And so they introduced a skin tone search filter. Um, So then everyone feels included and can get inspiration. More recently, they introduced a hair texture search filter, right? And those are things that, um, to me, it's not just about saying something, it's about actually living into it. And again, ads are great, but actually bringing it to life in the product is how you really judge whether a company is truly doing it because they believe in it, or is it just woke washing or just they're doing it because they have to, right? Man. Yeah. Wow. I, I think that's pretty strong. I, I think that's really strong. And I, I, and, and I'm guilty of never seeing how forward facing, you know, a group like, you know, a company like Pinterest is because it has to be, uh, they have to be really grounded to say, this is where we are and this is where we're going. We see where the other social media companies are going, but we're going to stay in this lane. Yeah. If the growth is slower, then so be it. Yeah. You know, we're just going to do this because it feels good. And it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and to that point, Eric, I mean, we talked about how it's only a value when it hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've made decisions that have probably impacted short-term growth over long-term growth, but the payoff is actually they've done better relative to their peers. If you think about the social media category from every right. financial metric standpoint. And I know as a parent, it's the only one I let my 12 year old daughter go on. I don't let her go on anything else. The only one I trust you know, yeah. not going to mess her up for the rest of her life. And oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's both personal, it's professional, it, it's it's the result. But, you know, it, it's it's an example of how companies really need to make a clear decision on the trade-offs, right? Another thing that we did, uh, we work with LinkedIn and, you know, they wanted to build a center of excellence from equity in their marketing group. And they didn't quite know how to go about it. They had really good intentions. And so we did some work with them to define what does equity even mean? What is best in class, right? Who's doing it well? And then how do you actually build this institutional knowledge? And we ended up training about a thousand of their global marketers in four different sessions on how to bring inclusive language into their marketing. Wow. That the, the trade-off that is really critical is I think for a lot of people, there's a misperception wait, this is just one more thing I have to think about, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm creating copy, when I'm vetting an ad, when I'm writing a brief even. And and I think the real light bulb was with the, the it's like, you actually, it's not about limiting creativity. Actually, when you are really thinking inclusively, it will make your work better and more creative and more inclusive. I and, agree. And, you know, and I think that's, the, you know, that's the kind of choice that, that companies make. And you can kind of tell in the conversations early on, do you really believe this? Or are you coming to us and wanting to work with us? Because you almost want like a 21 CB stamp of approval, right? Oh. Um, and, you know, not to say we're the, we're the police of, of what is, you know, right. blood or not. But I, I think, you know, some of our learnings over the years is you really have to dig deep with the leadership team, even before you, you do work together to really understand, mm-hmm. are you genuine about this? Or are you just saying it because you know you have to say it? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, years ago, um, it seems like every, you know, professional at some point had worked in the hospitality industry. And get, we got to get to know people mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. And and one of the things like in the hospitality industry that I um, 
had learned was just, you know, how different people react to different things. And then, uh, you know, being an old restaurant guy, you know, it made it different for me every time I went to a restaurant to go eat. Mm. So now I'll ask you this. And, and, and that was my reason for saying this is like, now do you just have a hard time turning your head when you see a brand doing something wrong? And, and you're like, you know, oh my gosh, that, that just gives me a little, little bit of a cringe feeling right now. I'll use my son's word, cringe. Yeah. Um, but it, do you ever see brands like, like that that you're like, man, they could use my help, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, it is hard, right? Because, you know, we all work in the kind of marketing world. It's hard to turn that off. You walk, <laughs> yeah. you see, you see outdoor advertising, you watch commercials on TV. And, and it's always constantly thinking like, for me, you know, it's what, what was the strategy behind that ad, you know? And sometimes the reaction is, I think the strategy is wrong, but most mm -hmm. of the time, you know, look, there's a lot of smart people in this industry, you know, true, sometimes true. it's more, Hey, your strategy is showing like you're almost being too obvious and you've translated it literally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think there are examples sometimes when you see a brand going about it the wrong way. And then, then, you know, the thing is, I don't need to call them out. The, the world calls them out. Uh, the, the public will. Yep. Absolutely. You know, and there's, there's tons of examples of that, but you know, it, it's, I think it's made it hard for marketers today, you know, and, and I think it goes back to something we talked about earlier. Um, to be perfect is impossible, you know? Um, so mm -hmm. it's more about the progress and the intention and then being clear about that and then learning from mistakes and mm -hmm. moving on. You know, I don't hold brands accountable. I don't, I don't hold it against them. If they make a mistake that was genuinely just a misunderstanding, it's really how they react to it in the moment. Wow. Um, a year ago, we published a white paper called Building an Inclusive Iconic Brand, right? And, and you know, one of our foundational pieces of, of work is how do you build an iconic brand? But then this one was about how do you build an inclusive iconic brand? And we have an editor at large at 21st Century Brand named Fosium uh, Musa, who, who put together this incredible body of work to say that building an inclusive brand is not just the right thing to do. It actually drives your business in powerful mm. ways. But one of the things to keep in mind is that it is a journey, right? It is not like you just go from zero to a hundred and you nail it. There is a journey where you kind of have good intent, but you don't know quite how to get there. And then at the end of that journey, you're, you're, you're consistently executing on it. And it's kind of built into your um, operating system, into your DNA, right? You don't have to think, is this inclusive or non-inclusive? You just know what the right thing is, but that takes a lot of repeated action. So brands are all on that journey at different stages. You know, one of the things that we sometimes help with is you really break down the marketing cycle, right? From annual planning to creation of, of, of creative to executions, distribution of all that stuff. And, you know, at each stage, there's things that a brand should be thinking about uh, if you really uh, want to build true. an inclusive, iconic brand. Um, but a lot of times big companies, you know, these processes get overlooked and you know, who wants to think about process? Not that exciting. Right. What, what happens if they grow so fast and they didn't have time to establish those things? Yeah. I mean, that happens right. a lot of in startup world, right? You're moving so quickly. You, you don't have time um, to, to really think it through. Um, and in those cases, you know, again, you, if you make mistakes because of that, then it's important to recognize why you made that mistake. It's mm -hmm. important to look back and, and understand. So you don't make the mistake again. Right, that's the biggest thing. It's like, none of us are perfect. I've made many mistakes in my life and my career. It's what do you take from that? How do you True. move forward from it? Um, and I think even big brands, 
you know, even the best of brands have missteps and even the brands that have great intentions make missteps, um, you know, and, and there's tons of examples of those. But again, it's, it's what do you take from that? And how do you move forward? That, that really makes a difference. Some of the brands that you've worked with, we talked about Peloton, um, Airbnb, all, all of these people have, uh, I, I feel like through their brand and how they position themselves as well, they've created some sense of loyalty with them as well like I'll, I'll give you an example like uh, you know prior to the call you and i we talked and i told you i was like oh man i did my october challenge in peloton it's almost like it's a community so this morning i'm on the treadmill around six o'clock this morning yeah. there's people high five high-fiving me because they can see like you know i had done you know this kind of you know workout throughout the week but it's like is that kind of like one of the benefits to really truly building a brand and a culture and it's almost, it turns into like a movement? Yeah, 100%. I, I think one of the tenets that we always keep in mind in building brands is how do you build a community? Number one, who is your community, right? Mm. And, and understanding that it's not just consumers or your end customer if you're a B2B company. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a full community out there and community could be also influencers, partners for Peloton. It's also the instructors, right? Who are such an incredible part of your experience there. Um, and we do always try to say as a brand, how can your brand, your product, your community activation come together to create wow. loyalty beyond reason, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what you feel as a Peloton writer. It was really interesting in the work that we did with Peloton. One of the observations that our team had was after talking to two writers was, you know, they always said, oh, man, it's, it's an incredible experience. I'm on this high after a ride. It's like I went to church and was like, you know, right. And so we actually reached out to an expert uh, who is at the Harvard Divinity School and studies communal religious experience throughout history. It's like, what is that feeling? What, wow. what drives that feeling? How do you take that? Because that is that is what makes you talk about it, right? To your friends, yeah. man, you got to try this Peloton. You got to try that, whatever product it is. And so yeah. we want to we help drive that. So so there were some great learnings about you know how you kind of foster that, how do you create it, but then also how do you reinforce it after, right? The high five is a great example. Like you are now validating each other. You you just spent some time on something that was worthwhile. You all gave effort. You feel depleted, but exhausted, you know, exhausted, but euphoric. Those are all things that you know we want people to feel after interacting with the brands that we work with. And, and it might not be as intense. I mean, Peloton, because of the space that it's in, is, is like that. But, you know, think about Headspace, another company I work with. After using it, there is a really powerful community and there's a shared sense of support. And that was one of the things we we're trying to help bring out. You know, mental wellness is such an incredibly important issue, but it can be oh, very yes. lonely, right? It's like it's hard yeah. to talk about yeah. it. And I think over the past few years, we have seen so much more social conversation around it in a good way, you know, and especially in COVID and pandemic where people were so isolated. We talked about it as, you know, it's like the second pandemic. The first pandemic is you know, your health. The second pandemic is your mental health. Yeah. One of the things we did with Headspace was, um, you know, what we called the Headspace promise, which is that Headspace is going to be there for any community that needs help. And so they offered it free to first responders, they offered it free then to um, anyone who lost their job as a result of COVID when businesses were shutting left and right. And oh, then, yeah. you know, that that's like really understanding your community um, and, and, you know, honoring them. And in one of the things I was really struck by, there was conversations about, well, 
if we're giving away free to people who are unemployed, how do we know if people are really unemployed? What if people are just saying I'm unemployed and getting headspace? And do it anyway, right? right? I guess it's exactly right. It's who cares? Who cares if if people feel that they need this? They need this. Yeah. And, and I had so much respect because that that's a decision that you know I think at some companies would have been now nah, no way we have to have some yeah. validation thing. You got to provide proof. And and Headspace just said you know look if if you say you're unemployed we'll believe you. And, and we'll get a year of headspace are literally giving away something that we make money on. Uh, and it was a benefit to their community. And it goes back to what you were saying, Eric. Think yeah. about if you were in that position and you used the product and you benefited from it, mm -hmm. you're going to mm -hmm. be so loyal to that. You're going you're gonna to be, this brand helped me when I needed help. You're going to talk about it. You're going to be subscribed to it. You're going to use it, hopefully, and, and, and you know, have it help you and your family. And, and that's, that's that kind of, cycle right we talk about a flywheel uh, of building yeah. a community driven brand how do you really deeply understand the needs of your community how do you super serve them with your product how do you you know have them help you build your pro product and brand because they tell you about their needs and then you get better and that just kind of escalates and, and creates a cycle of success dude what oh my gosh you uh i i felt every bit of this conversation today man colin i really did man um uh i i think i i had a lot of respect for your brand but i mean damn is all i can say man i i really felt that and i really think that you guys really care about uh not only just the brands your partners that you work with and the people that they serve and i think you know just what we talked about with headspace just now the truth is in full disclosure when I first started meditating back in 2019, I used Headspace. Wow. And at first I couldn't, I was like, man, I can't get over this, you know, this Australian accent person, I can't do this. And, <laughs> and, I, and I was one of those where I, could, I didn't know how to meditate, but it taught me how to do it. And now meditation is one of the things that I have to do mm. every day. That's and that's something. No, that's Man. powerful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. No, no worries. You tell them that. You tell them that, okay? Man, I, I am I am just so happy to talk to you. So now, you know, Colin, for for brands or, or businesses that want to reach out to you and the rest of the team, how do they find you? How do they find you and reach out to you? Yeah, I'd love to hear from people. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Colin Chow. You can reach out to 21st Century Brand if you uh, email hello at 21cv.com uh, and Go to our website, uh, learn more about us, 21cb.com or 21stcenturybrand.com if you want to type out all of those letters, either way. Um, <laughs> but really excited to have this conversation with you and, and thank you so much for the opportunity to share some thoughts. Man, thank you, man. Anything on the horizon coming up for you guys? Any public projects you want to share? Yeah, well, I think a couple of things we're really excited about. One is we're publishing a book next year. And oh man! Gonna, yeah, really exciting. Um, it's a book called "A Colorful View from the Top." It's going to be published first in the UK um, with a publisher called Little Brown, which is one of the, the most prestigious publishers. And yes. it's 21 stories of black and brown success, business success. And you know, there, there's kind of a notion sometimes that in order to be successful, you, you have to go be a basketball player, you got to be an actor, you got you know. And these are examples of people who have really succeeded in industries. Uh, like the ones we're in, in business yeah, and yeah. in the paths that that people can take. And so it's a book that, you know, hopefully will inspire kids, but it's not a kid's book. It's for everybody. And and I uh, want that book. Yeah, so I we're want really excited about that. That's like, you know, we talk about you know, this. We want this to be a gift to the world, um, you know, and, and that's going to be a big thing that we do next year. 
And then I, I can't talk about this one as much, but you know, we, we are very actively thinking about ways that we can have greater impact with our clients. Uh, you know, so that, so, you know, new offerings to come in 2022 and beyond. So stay tuned for more on that. Man. So, and the last thing I'll ask you, do brands have to be pretty large to make sure that they get their house in order? Mm, that's, that's a really good question. To me, the answer is no. And, you know, and, and I hope I'm not saying that self-serving because I think everyone can be thinking about brand, but we get this mm -hmm. question a lot from, from startups, right? Like, isn't brand something that bigger companies do? And, and by the way, and I, by the way, I could do an entire hour on this. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it short. Then come back. <laughs> then come back and do it. Man, what are you waiting on? Let's book uh, it. <laughs> you know, but I think there's a misperception of, you know, number one, oh, a brand is just a logo, right? I'll just get my cousin who's a graphic designer. She can do yeah. that. So, so brand is not just your logo. Brand, you, go. you know, is, is the way you grow your company. It's your business. It's your product. It's your people strategy. All of that is brand. So everyone can benefit from that. Even if you're early stage, I, I do think it is true. The kind of accepted wisdom in startup land in Silicon Valley is, you know, focus more on performance marketing, growth marketing, you know, product investment. If you're going to hire someone, hire an engineer or developer, don't hire a, a marketer. And I think, you know, look, I don't dispute any of that. I think you have to make the right business decisions. But, but you know, you think about advantage, the founder or CEO or leader who has an understanding of brand and is thinking about it before their competitors, right? That's going to be a significant advantage. And then at the right time, you really start to bring it to life. But, wow. you know, at early stages of a company, when you're smaller, brand is more flexible, right? It's like, we're not sure, like maybe the product's going to go this way. The brand has to be ready to go that way as well. The yeah. more you grow, once you hit product market fit, once you reach a certain level of success, um, then you really do need brands to accelerate growth because the other things, product market, performance marketing, growth marketing, they stop becoming as efficient, right? We're not telling early stage startups to go out and do Super Bowl ads, right? But you should be thinking about your brand and thinking about how brand shows up in your product, in your customer experience, in the way that the CEO gives speeches and the way you go out and talk to investors. All of that is brand, right? Whether you think about Absolutely. it or not. Absolutely. Great conversation, man. Great conversation. You got to come back. You got to <laughs> promise me that. Okay. Especially when that book comes out too. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening, you know, I just want to thank you guys for actually listening to the adcast. I enjoyed my conversation with Colin Child today, man. Uh, just insightful. He's a ball of fire. A couple of times he gave me goosebumps with all the topics that he was talking about today. And you truly felt his passion, man. So uh, I definitely want to thank you again for giving uh, us your time, Colin. And I want to thank the listeners for giving us their most valuable asset, which is their time. And I would love for them to make sure that they actually uh, go subscribe to this podcast, share it out to your friends, loved ones, and also some business friends and colleagues that you may feel that can actually benefit from this. Listen to it on wherever you listen to your favorite podcast networks. And I want to thank you again. This is the AdCast. Hey guys, I'm back. I hope that you enjoyed that episode of the AdCast. If you didn't, go online, give me a review and tell me how you want us to make it better for you. And if you did, give us a five-star rating anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. But I want to thank you for your most valuable asset. That's your time and thank you for listening. Enjoy the AdCast and stay tuned for another hot episode coming up soon.